Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Mark Wong Tower, Mark Wong Tower, this is Albatross 1 3, requesting permission to land. Over. I don't need a computer to tell me how to land a damn airplane. Six. Heads up display, check. Five. Lasers, check. Four. Particle beam, check. Three. Proton bolts, check. Two. Chair control, check. One. Let's do it. Broadcasting from a secret underground location somewhere in Moss Eisley, this is the Docking Bay 77 Podcast. Make yourself comfortable. The show is about to start. Hello and welcome to the Docking Bay 77 Podcast. I am your host, Dayton Johnson, and it is now June. And hey, I had a great idea. I want to talk about my favorite science fiction TV shows. Space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Uploads that way, ORs the other way. What do you want to do? Three, two, one. Upload. Who are they then? Students? Is this a student thing or what? Why would they be students? I don't know. Well, you said it. Why students? Because to get that many people dressed up and being silly, they got to be students. That makes sense. Well done. Thanks. They're not students. Whoever they are, when Wilson finds them, he's going to call the police. Who's Wilson? Chief electrician. Wilson's dead. Mando, put the package down. The kid's coming with me. And to do that, I brought on some new people and friends of the show. I have Liam Lewis. How are you, Liam? I'm doing fantastic, Dayton. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And I have the host of the House Rules podcast. I have Scott Cox. Hello, Scott. Hello, sir. Thank you for, for having me on. Uh, yes, I would, I would like to say thank you for plugging House Rules. It's a it's a it's a fun show. Uh, it, it's uh, myself and uh, several several friends that that I have on from time to time. We we look at tabletop gaming, uh, you know, from the perspective of the rules themselves. So we try to be a little bit different than than other gaming podcasts out there. Um, so real quick, Liam, how did you come up with your list? How did you, how did you start? Um, well, I had a handful that I knew had to be on there just because they're like staples of science fiction, at least to me, you know, you ask somebody on the street, what's a science fiction show? And they say one of these, but that, that only gave me a handful. So really what I did is just listed every single science fiction show I could think of and then picked which one of those really spoke to me the most about what I feel science fiction is and gotcha. what its purpose is. All right. All right. Very cool. How about you, Scott? Well, uh, so I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like when you, when you first proposed the topic, uh, there were at least three or four, you know, for me personally, 
that I was like, oh yeah, yeah, this, 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 boom, boom, boom. Right. And then you get outside that core kind of group and 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 you kind of kind of start looking and picking and choosing uh and, and everything. But I kind of approached it from a standpoint of when I think of science fiction or when I want to watch science fiction, when I'm in the mood for, for that genre, what do I go to? What are my staples? You know, what okay. do I what do I do rewatches of? Uh, and I just kind of listed from there. The problem was figuring out, isolating it to, you know, the, the, the group that, you know, the number that we're looking at and stuff today, because there are several that, that didn't get put on that should have been. So, you know. <laughs> I understand, but th- that'd have been a much longer list and, <laughs> and have been a few episodes. And just so you know, I, I did find this out. I looked this up because I was curious about this going into tonight's episode. Okay. Uh, the term science fiction first appeared in print in advertisements for air wonder stories magazine in 1929 <laughs> and it was a it was a it was a derivation of an earlier term uh which uh uh premiered in 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 print in 1916 which was scientific scientific fiction or science scientific fiction it's a weird way of i like science fiction a lot better yes that's a it rolls off the tongue a little bit better it does. <laughs> cleaner yes it is cleaner it is cleaner yeah. okay um mine uh was when i first started came up with the idea i had a couple shows already in mind and then mainly because i wanted to talk about them and they were short-lived so i wanted to kind of maybe energize them and uh see if people can get out there and um check them out and then there was a couple that i'm like you know this took up so much of my time because i love the show so much that i want to talk about it so i had a little bit of a variety and i wanted to and as i was making my list i wanted to make sure i kind of hit different areas i guess different time zones different time you know so i wanted to have a variety uh, as much as i could within that science fiction uh, genre so this will be interesting i'm hoping that there's very little crossover with the variety of people we have and the wide variety of tastes but i'm i'm thinking there's at least one for sure that's going to get mentioned a couple times so all right let's get into our favorite science fiction tv shows our top seven sci-fi tv shows so i'm gonna go first then liam and then scott so feel free to comment it's gonna be fun my number seven is actually one of my two animated choices uh, this one was very uh, popular for me when I was a kid. It was the first anime title I watched that had a story. Uh, Speed Racer doesn't count because there was no story. Um, <laughs> this is uh, Star Blazers from 1979. Uh, this was one that I watched um, when I could because it was on during school hours. So I only got to watch it over the summer or if I stayed home sick. And um, I recently did acquire the uh, first season. It actually did run for three seasons. Uh, and I did acquire the first season on uh, DVD, 77 episodes. And as far as an animated series, um, a quick storyline, uh, Earth is being destroyed from the planet Gamelon or, and it's destroying the outside of the planet. And pretty soon it won't be livable. And these uh, human astronauts get this ship and they're going to fly all the way to the planet Iskandar to get something to help save the planet. Well, they have to get there and back in a year. So they are given this new technology and everything. And it's really cool. And it was really gritty. And it was the first time I actually watched a cartoon series where the people got hurt. 
you know, because when you're growing up, you're watching Looney Tunes and stuff like that. And people get hit with animals and nobody actually gets hurt. And even later, you watch the G.I. Joe TV series. Nobody ever died. You know, everybody just jumped out of the ships when they got shot down and they always jumped out of the tanks before they blew up. This actually got people hurt. It was kind of realistic in that way and a little gritty. And man, I just loved this show. It was so much fun. So much fun. And you can find these on DVD on, on eBay. They're not cheap, but you can find them. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you borrow me. They're pretty cool. Oh, yes, please. I'd love that. Uh, you know, so when, when we were talking about this, my brain immediately went live action. I didn't even consider <laughs> uh, uh, anime. I, I think there needs to be a whole separate show just on anime, you know, sci-fi and stuff. But I'm looking at pictures of Star Blazers here because I've, I, I've never seen the anime. Okay. But I recognize the ship. Yes, it's it, it, space battleship Yamato. Yes, that was a series it was based on. Yes, yes, okay, and that's what I was curious about because I know space battleship Yamato. I gave you something else to watch now, didn't I, Scott? You did, you did. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> this, this is going on my list now. Yes. All right. That's All right. why I love about this podcast, though, because you get you get to talk about what you like and then find other stuff that other people like and. You can discover new things. That's right. Gives us more things to watch that we don't have time for. So there we go. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Liam, what's your number seven, man? Uh, my number seven, I had to make myself put at number seven because as much as I love it, I haven't finished it yet. Okay. And so I don't feel that I can speak as fully on it as I would like. But I chose for not my number seven, the Joss Whedon show Dollhouse. Right. Okay, right. Dollhouse. I I found this show because I I was just looking for new sci-fi stuff, hoping I could bring something new to the podcast. And I had heard of this show, but there wasn't anywhere to watch it. And then I found it on Hulu and I just got completely sucked in. Right. It, um, it follows um, this hidden society called the Rossum Corporation who have these dollhouses underground in um i believe it's san francisco and um they find people who are you know kind of in rough patches in life um and feel they have nowhere else to turn and offer them this deal where you can come work for our dollhouse for um five years and then afterwards we will release you from service with a large amount of payment and of course, you know, if you're having any problems, we can kind of make those disappear. And <laughs> for those five years, um, they have technology that completely wipes your brain clean and can put in it any kind of programming they want. You're jumping in between the heads of this particular dollhouse and the scientist played by Franz Kranz who does the programming to your main protagonist within the dollhouse, Echo. And I found it really fascinating because it examines this idea of like what is right and what is wrong. Like obviously what the Rossum Corporation is doing is horrible, but it's with the consent of the people they make into these dolls. So is it really wrong if these people sign up for these crazy science experiments and it's really gripping and really intense and it's fascinating to get so attached to Echo and follow her as her brain is trying to recapture who she was before Rossum wiped her. 
I got to admit, I have not. I knew of that show, and I have not watched it. Yeah, you are, uh, you are definitely missing out. Dollhouse <laughs> is a wonderful, wonderful series. Uh, I, I mean, I agree. Yeah, all the all the complexity that that show brings in it, it like the complexity, it it it, it does not go where you think it's going to go. <laughs> uh, and especially season two, because this is one of those situations where you know Joss Whedon kind of had a plan, and, right. and they were you know they, they I think it was Fox that aired it, probably typical Fox fashion, you know. Uh, We'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what Fox has done for other shows. They 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 were gonna they were gonna tank it after season one, and like the fans that it had built up got a season two for the show. It was it was a half season, but it was enough for him to finish it. Right. But you could tell that it was he hurried the story in season two. Had all right, Scott, you ready for your number seven? I guess. <laughs> I don't know how I can follow that. <laughs> Dollhouse is just wonderful. Anyway, uh, so my for my number seven, I went with um, uh, the television show Fringe. Yes, uh, from two thousand eight. I don't know if any of you all have ever seen it. I've seen. Yes, I did. I did start watching it. Yeah. So this is one of those series. Um, first of all, it has a, has a great cast. You know, it's uh, Anna Torv, uh, Joshua Jackson from um, uh, yeah uh, Dawson's Creek. Uh, yeah, I was going to go with Mighty Ducks, but yeah, let's let's throw it. Let's throw out the creek there. I think with Mighty Ducks, but you know, uh, John Noble who does you know a, a great great thing and everything, plus a, a plethora of other people throughout the series. But this is one of those sci-fi series. So when it starts out, it tries to be the X Files, right? Kind of what it tries to be because you have, excuse me, uh, uh, Anna Torv as Olivia Dunham. She's an FBI agent. Uh, and she goes to get uh, Joshua Jackson uh, as Peter Bishop and his dad, Dr. Walter Bishop, um, uh, basically, uh, who's in a mental institution. He's been there for a while. Uh, he's not not quite right in the head. Uh, and um, uh, they investigate. It's kind of episodic, like X-Files starts out. Uh, they're investigating incidences of fringe science. It's that science fiction science that shouldn't work in reality, but in this show, it kind of does. Okay, yeah, that's right. What, that's what it starts out at. But quickly throughout season one, going into season two and everything, it evolves into something more. Um, you ultimately find out, and and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put spoilers here. Is spoilers okay for... <laughs> yes, it's okay. Okay. Um, so you find out that Peter Bishop, played by Joshua Jackson, is not Walter's original son. Okay, so his original son uh, died of a disease that he was trying to cure. So literally the entire the entire plot of this series stems from the fact that he didn't want his son to die a second time in another another reality. So he punched a hole between universes and fractured reality, splintered, (laughs) literally just 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 destroyed the very fabric of reality. It's, it's great but yeah 2008 uh it went for uh da, 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 yeah if i can find my my thing here uh it went from 2008 to 2013 so was that four seasons something like that i think yeah right yeah actually one of my shows actually comes from the creator of fringe so ah. it's well, that'll be a nice callback all right okay background to me so much new material oh yeah <laughs> i can't wait <laughs> All right, my number six is uh, another animated series. Um, I tried really hard to not make um, most of my list Star Wars because it's me. Um, <laughs> I had that problem too. <laughs> 
but um, with all the different series out there, I decided to go with the uh, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, um, which initially started on Cartoon Network and then uh, Netflix carried it. And um, it's it's really cool because it fills in that three year gap between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And we get a not so whiny Anakin and we get. (laughs) Uh, a great new character in Ahsoka Tano, who's awesome, yeah. of course, shows up in The Mandalorian. And it's very interesting. You get a lot more of what goes on between the two movies. And I really like that. It kind of, you know, it fills in the gaps. It fills in, uh, you get a lot more, you know, Obi-Wan. And um, it's just a lot of fun. And it's it's everything you'd want from that kind of series and with dave filoni he's shown that he can do that one because he did rebels and then of course he's working with uh john favreau with the mandalorian and everything and proving that he can do pretty much no wrong in the star wars universe right now it's a great series and i really like it and it's definitely worth checking out if you've only watched the movies and if you just are watching the Mandalorian, go back and watch these because it's a lot of fun and like i said you get the awesome ahsoka tano yes who is just worth every bit of your time right yeah. right um the actual the voice um ashley Eckstein uh has a clothing line her, her universe my wife and daughter actually have met her a couple of different times and no she's way. she's super awesome by the way if you get a chance to meet her she is super awesome so there you oh, go i want to so bad <laughs> all right yeah yeah ha- hashtag in Filoni we trust right right absolutely uh, yeah. Like uh, he's like the Bruce Tim of the Star Wars universe. He's just well, that scary. man. Yeah, that man knows what makes a good Star Wars story. Um, I even started watching the Bad Batch. I haven't finished it, but I've watched pretty much all the uh, animated Star Wars series, yeah. and, and they're good. They are. Yeah. Good. All right, Liam, you're number six. All right, my number six. One of the ones that I had to put on here is uh, one of my hyper fixations for a long time now. Doctor Who. I <laughs> have to put it on here just or else I'll lose my Whovian card. They'll take away my membership. <laughs> uh, it's another one that ironically, like I, I was gonna put it on here in the end, but I did hesitate because similar to Scott's point about Star Wars, I feel that its lack of rules kind of <laughs> towards science fantasy, like. But that's one of the things that I love about it is that time travel can often be such an issue and you can really get written into a corner with it. Um, But I feel like Doctor Who handles it so well by basically just, we don't have any rules unless it's relevant to the plot. If (laughs) something in this story, we'll have set rules. But other than that, we're just going to do what we want and not worry about continuums or whatever. And so I got into this show in freshman year of high school. A friend of mine that I made recommended it to me. I hopped on Netflix, turned it on. Um, I'm going to talk specifically about the modern era Doctor Who just for the sake of time, because if we get into the classic Doctor Who, we'll be here. (laughs) I fell in love with Christopher Eccleston. Uh, He was um, the first doctor I saw. He is still my favorite doctor. I and I love all the other doctors, but especially him. Um, I really got drawn into this story of how sad and yet how hopeful this show is because it's all about this one 
soul wandering the universe, the last of his kind. His entire planet has been destroyed in a war that <laughs> he wasn't able to save them. And he takes all of that pain that he feels in being the very last. And he flies through the entire universe, bringing hope to anyone who doesn't have it. All right, Scott, you've been waiting to say something. I could tell. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I like that. So first of all, uh, Liam, this is the first time you and I have met. So um, you and I are going to be friends uh, <laughs> because your number seven was Dollhouse, which I love. Great show. Your number six is Doctor Who. Great show. I love it. My number six is Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> and I'm I'm not lying about that. My, so if if it's okay, we'll just we'll just segue into into we'll yeah. go right Doctor ahead. Who. That works, man. Totally we'll with Doctor Who. So first of all, yeah, Eccleston uh, was a great Doctor. My first Doctor, because I'm old. My first Doctor was actually the fifth Doctor, Peter Davidson. Ooh, I okay. love him. Um, uh, now, now I, I, I did grow up during the era of Tom Baker, but, uh, where I grew up in Kentucky, we really didn't get, you know, anything. So I had to wait until later, uh, and I could get stuff on VHS, uh, <laughs> hey, VHS baby. I from well, Suncoast that I know we sold a lot of Dr. Yeah, Who. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, so, so Peter, uh, Peter, uh, Christopher Eccleston had in, in the history of Dr. Who. So first of all, the franchise has been going since you know the 1960s uh which which gives you some some clue of its longevity obviously right how popular it is but uh christopher eccleston in my opinion had the second toughest job of any actor to portray the doctor okay now i'm going to preface that so the, the 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 single toughest job of any any actor to play it was patrick troughton who played the second doctor or the first regeneration because mm. uh, because William Hartnell, who played the doctor originally in the 1960s became beloved. You know, he, he, he created the character. Uh, they, the fans loved him. He of course got ill and was going to have to leave. They wanted to continue. So they wrote in regeneration. So you bring in this new actor who now has to convince a very loyal fan base <laughs> that I am, I am your doctor. Yeah. So if you think about it. Yeah. He's got a very hard job. Uh, all the doctors subsequently the 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 idea of regeneration was already sold right they, they, they didn't have to you know come on board They're, okay we got a new doctor yay new doctor um but then you get the hiatus uh you know after the seventh doctor um um but then you have christopher eccleston who comes in and now he has to reboot the show for a new generation of fans and he has to bring them in and he did a beautiful job with that uh i wish he would have come back for the 50th uh, when, when, when I wanted him to so bad. Uh, yeah, I, I think he has ex actually expressed regrets in not coming back for the 50th. But but yeah, Doctor Who has to be a staple of sci-fi. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100. percent So well, now I feel bad. I've only barely watched a handful of episodes, and I've only I've only watched the David Tennant Doctor. So that's only one episodes I've seen. David um, Tennant, I love him. Yeah, I love him. I love him too. Um, I can tell you right now, Mandy, uh, my wife, is started watching. Doctor Who, and she started with Eccleston. So I think oh, she just finished the first season. Yeah. So, anyway. well, that was amazing. You both had your number six to Doctor Who. That's hilarious. Okay. Yes. Yeah, we're gonna be best friends, Scott. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> moving, uh, moving on. Uh, my number five. Now I'm gonna go back to uh, my college years, and this was part of my uh, Friday nights. Uh, this is how much of a nerd I was in college. I did not go to parties. I did not do anything like that. Uh, I sat it in my dorm room 
or over at uh, friend's apartment and at eight o'clock on Friday night, I'd watch the short lived series, the adventures of Briscoe County jr. That's not my choice. Um, at 10 o'clock was picket fences. Um, but at nine o'clock on Fox was the X-Files. I love that show. I did uh, not miss no. any episodes until later when Mulder left and it got a little weird and whatever, but <laughs> I, I love the show. And um, those who don't know the X-Files, it's, it's FBI and they're looking up all the kind of paranormal, you know, uh, possibilities of these weird cases and, you know, the whole uh, I want to believe and all this other wonderful stuff, you know, Sasquatch, ridiculous things. And I even did go see the movie fight the future, you know, in the theater because I had to, I even have the poster and I have the poster. Um, But I was one of the, I was one of the lucky few that if you did not see this particular episode, when it first aired, you never saw it unless you bought the DVDs. Uh, The episode is called home. Now it was so disturbing about a family of their inbred families. There was even the, the, I'm not even going to get the details, but the mother character was horrifying. It only aired one time because it was so disturbing. And I was one of the people that got to see it. You know, I mean, obviously, if you watch the series at that point, you got to see it. But, you know, the only time to see it after that was to purchase uh, the DVDs. And when they released them on a VHS and DVD at first, they didn't even include that episode. They only did like the highlights of each season. So um, love the show. I love the relationship between uh, Scully and Mulder. Uh, it was fun. It was one of the few shows at that time that really, uh, if it wasn't Star Trek or whatever, it's one of the few other nerd based shows that was out there. And it was clever. It was fun. It was interesting. And man, you could not wait till next week. It was one of those shows. You're just like, what the hell's going on? I can't, I, you know, I can't miss it. And the other episode that pops into my head is the Cerulean blue episode. If you're not sure what that is, go look it up. Cause that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Love the X-Files. It's a fantastic show. I love X-Files. One of the things that I love about it is um, starting with episode one, you are hooked into this, this feeling of like, how big can we get? It's one of those things that you always get in like a good show that deals with like anything conspiracy wise. Right. Um, X-Files, I feel like is one of the originators of, um you know how is is anything myth anymore like what is even fictional at this point is everything real uh kind of kind of like carl sagan's speech about um the big blue dot but like in a chilling way right not necessarily uh evil but just in this kind of spooky way of like like how big is this universe anyway like how deep does this go (laughs) nice very nice yes scott i've never i've never actually seen all of the x-files okay i've I've seen episodes here and there obviously but i've never actually watched it all the way through okay Uh, i never really got into it i tried once or twice starting with season one and i never could make it through season one it was just it was just so different at the time and it really sucked me in and i like the i mean I love the lone gunman, uh, his, his, you know, his friends, he kept going to ask help and different things. And they even tried to spin off show with them for a little while, which didn't take, but yeah. I just liked the characters and it was a lot of fun. And speaking of the lone gunman though, I check it out, Mulder. I had breakfast with the guy who shot John F. Kennedy. Is that so old dude now? But yeah, says he was dressed as a cop on the grassy knoll. Hey Mulder, listen to this. Vladimir Zhirinovsky, the leader of the Russian social Democrats. 
He's being put into power by the most heinous and evil force of the 20th century. Barney? <laughs> the CIA. Is this your skeptical partner? She's hot. Actually, uh, there, there was the, the miniseries that came out, uh, what, like 2015? Yeah, they did. They brought the series back, yeah. They tried to bring the series back, and the lone gunman, of course, at least a couple of them were in it and stuff like that. Uh, the wife and I watched it, you know, because she's a she's a, a, a an X Files fan, and um, like a week afterwards, I went to uh, Horror Hound Cincy. Right. Uh, uh, I, I was working with uh, the the convention with the Ohio Ghostbusters up there. They asked for some help, and oh, uh, um, two of the lone gunmen were were guests at that con, you know, and and I just happened to be walking by their table. And they didn't really have anybody there at the time. They were a little in a bit of a lull, so I was just chatting, you know. Right. And I told because because I, I stopped by and told them, hey, we just saw the new miniseries and everything. It was really cool. We weren't expecting you to show up in the series and. And they're like, yeah, we weren't either. <laughs> they said, we got the call like a week before they wanted to shoot. <laughs> oh, wow. You, you want to? And we're like, oh, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Liam, number five. All right. Number five. Uh, again, this is another one of my obvious ones, but I got to go with number five, the original Twilight Zone from the 60s. Oh, very cool. Very Bud cool. Sterling is a genius. And I the minute you hear his voice, you are just sucked into this weird chilling. Like it's all like watching that intro. I know it's become a part of pop culture and people kind of make fun of it. And it's kind of a joke now to some people, but like for me, like I always got this crazy feeling ever since I first saw it. One of my memories of uh, discovering that show was on like some holiday in the summer, Memorial day weekend, maybe um, the sci-fi channel would have a marathon of them and we would go over to my grandparents' house on Pepper Pike and we, I would sit in front of the TV and watch it while my grandpa was playing solitaire on his computer. And that was <laughs> our, our quiet, we're both doing our own thing, but still bonding time. And <laughs> sure. Sterling's voice in that intro just put me in this out of body experience where you really feel like you're traveling into this weird alternate dimension, this alternate plane of existence where anything is possible. I was fascinated by, um, especially as I got older and knew more about the world and history, um, watching this man in the 60s say the things that he was saying through science fiction. Um, episodes like... Uh, third from the sun monsters are due on maple street and the shelter talking about like how easily we can turn on each other like analyzing cold war hostilities and tensions and just the nature of humanity be it racism or any other kind of conflict um uh ideas like you know will the real martian please stand up that whole like mccarthyism thing of once you give somebody a manhunt it turns into a frenzy um i just loved that the fact that it's in black and white of course you know i that was just tv but like the i've always loved black and white because it always adds a sort of ethereal element to things because we don't use it as much anymore so especially for a show like the twilight zone that black and white really just 
sets it apart from everything else and makes you feel just a little bit uncomfortable. You're never <laughs> quite at ease. Uh, that's such a great show. I know uh, my daughter went down a rabbit hole of uh, Twilight Zone a couple of years ago and just started watching episode after episode after episode. And I was like, I was, it was a proud papa moment when she started going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, yes, my child. It's a, it was impressive because it was black and white and that wasn't usually something she would choose to watch, but she did. She did. Mm. Oh, well, a great series. I, I think that's one of the, 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 the uh, great things about Twilight Zone, the original Twilight Zone, of course, with Rod Serling and stuff. First of all, you know, you can't, you can't beat Rod Serling, obviously. Um, nope. But if you watch through this, even though it's, you know, it's, it, it's from, you know, the late fifties, early sixties, early to mid sixties, it's in black and white and everything. Um, if you start watching it, it does not take long at all before the quality and caliber of the performances and the writing of the stories, you stop seeing the dated production value. Right. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, and a lot of the themes are still relevant. It's not yeah. like, you know, we got over any of that stuff. <laughs> you know, exactly. So, still very relevant. All right, Scott, your next uh, one. So, my, my number five, that's what we're up to, right? Yes, number five. So, uh, my number five is uh, Warehouse 13. <laughs> I somehow knew that was going to be on your list after I saw you buy the series. <laughs> I love, so yeah, I do own the series. Of course, I got it on Blu-ray. I've got the board game, which I haven't been able to play yet. Um <laughs> But yeah, so I love, love Warehouse 13. And, and I'm going to say, so it's, it's from uh, 2009 to 2014-ish. Uh, right. So it's, it's five seasons. Um, uh, you know, the premise is you've got these two uh, U.S. Secret Service agents uh, who are reassigned. They, they like have this cushy, you know, they're, they're kind of at the pinnacle, you know, they're on, they're on uh, the Eagle detail, you know, they're protecting the president. <laughs> Uh, and then after one weird incident uh, in which involves, you know, this, this guy in a trench coat and uh, some weird statue that, that possesses people and stuff, um, they get reassigned without warning to a, you know, BFE middle of nowhere warehouse in South Dakota <laughs> known as warehouse 13. And uh, you know, is is this movie movie? Is this series going to win any like groundbreaking awards for science fiction? No, it, it it embraces the tropes of science fiction. It embraces the you know blah blah blah. What makes this show awesome, in my opinion, is uh, the the on screen chemistry of all of its actors. You know, not only do you get really great actors and characters in the the forefront that just work really well together on on screen with Eddie McClintock playing Pete Latimer and Joanne Kelly playing Micah Baring, Saul Rubinek as Artie Nielsen, you know. Um, but each season, like, adds more characters. Their goal is there are these artifacts out in the world, you know, that 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 uh, are, are born through extraordinary circumstances. But they're somewhat magical, supernatural in nature, somewhat uh, fringe science Tesla kind of a way, you know. <laughs> um you know they kind of they, they kind of embrace think of it as modern steampunk uh, uh, uh and their, their goal is to go out and investigate if there's any kind of a weird thing they go out if there's any weird going on they think that there may be an artifact involved they go investigate if they if they find out there is an artifact involved then their job is according to the show to snag bag and tag <laughs> so they, they snag it they bag it 
and they get it back to the warehouse. It's 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 cat it, you know it, it's it's categorized, uh, cataloged, put in put into the warehouse for safe safekeeping. So uh, they're the guys from the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes, <laughs> yes. If you think about it, yes. The, the most definitely, the guys from Raiders of the Lost Ark could be from the Warehouse Thirteen, you know, of that time. Most so these definitely. are the top men they were telling us about. Yeah, <laughs> top men. Uh, All right. Very, very cool. Yes. All right. Uh, back around to me. Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, number four. Now, uh, I remember when this show first hit Fox. And I remember trying to watch it as much as possible uh, because you know what? It's a Western in space from the fanboy that gave us Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So of course I'm talking about Firefly. I yeah. love the show. And I, and to your point, uh, Scott, I have the board game for that as well. <laughs> oh yeah. So I was actually, cause around the time this was on Fox, there was also another show called John Doe and they're on the same night together. And very quickly it got hard to find Firefly because they kept moving it around and then they would always repeat an episode before the new episode. It, it just, it was Fox being stupid and, and not handling something well. They mean they aired them out of order and then canceled it. And luckily later, yeah, right. I luckily later, I love the show and I love the characters. It's so much fun. You have um, not only is it just fun, but you launched a lot of careers. I and mean, let's be honest, uh, Nathan Fillion, um, uh, Miranda Bacarin, who's amazing, and it seems to be in everything now. Uh, Jewel State, Summer Glau, of course, who would go on to be, uh, you know, on the Terminator, the Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor Chronicles, uh, you know, uh, Gina Torres. And of course, uh, one of the most famous ones that's still there, the man of, a, of many voices, Alan Tudyk, who seems to just make his living now and doing voice acting, and he's so good at it, so good at it. Um, it's of Alan. <laughs> and uh, it helps with also. I grew up watching the TV show, the cop show, Barney Miller. So seeing Ron Glass on, on that show just also made it so much better. So love the show. I own the, I own the series on DVD and uh, it's just a lot of fun. It's just cool and fun. And yeah, it's, it's a shame that Fox mishandled this. I'm, I'm glad we later got the movie and, but still it was a real shame um, that they screwed this one up too. I agree. Um, so, so my wife is actually the one that got me into Firefly, uh, and I fell in love with it in, uh, episode two when, uh, the train job, of course, Yes, yeah, because, right. because at the end of it, they decide, you know, uh, we can't, you know, we're, we're, we're good at heart. We can't, you know, do what the, what, what, uh, Niska wants us to, um, and, uh, uh, you know, he's got the, the guys, they're all tied up there, right. The ship's powering up, you know, <laughs> He's like, you know, here's your money back. We're not thieves. Well, and then you get the, well, we are thieves, but we're not taking his money. You know, you get, it's, it's not dialogue like that that makes the show great. But, you know, uh, you know, the guy's like, ah, keep your money. Niska's going to, you know, kill you. You can't run. You can't hide, you know. And in any any other typical show, you know, the, the hero would be trying to, you know, do the right thing. And, and me and my, and my, my cynicism basically says see this is where i just you know just just shoot the guy in the head or something right now (laughs) kill the threat and he literally kicks him into the engine right and i'm like okay i now love this character (laughs) the man after my own heart you know doesn't mean oh love it uh yeah the the only the only season they did was 13 episodes and there is not a bad episode in that season no not one no (sighs) 
Fox, you suck. Anyway, Liam, <laughs> <laughs> Liam, you're number four. My number four. Okay. My number four is a kind of unconventional pick, you might say. Um, I'm going with the HBO show Watchmen. Oh, nice. Okay. Most people would um, file that strictly under superheroes, but um, I um, I read the comic um, and saw Zack Snyder movie. Yeah. Um, but reading the comic, the one of the aspects that I found the most fascinating, beyond you know the criticism of superheroes, analyzing that whole archetype, etc., the thing that I found most fascinating. And that I was overjoyed they continued in this show was the analyzation of science as a theme. And when you read this comic, or if you have HBO Max, they also have the complete motion comic, if you want to do that. Um, When you look at the comic, along with the continuation of that universe's story in this HBO Watchmen show, it does, it serves as this great sort of light half dark half analyzation of among other things science in our society i think of that uh red love about justice it can be cruel it can be kind it can be cold it can be blind but um the show serves as a sequel to the graphic novel and it also i love watchmen as a universe because i love alternate timelines to our history because as with as in the case of Watchmen, it can these exaggerations and distortions of what we know in our world can lead to examinations of the hard truths in our world. You know, you try to do a documentary about the Tulsa massacre. Nobody's going to want to listen to it. But by putting it as a plot line in this show you can suddenly have this massive conversation about race and um, gentrification and oppression and the way we hide or try to act like, you know, horrible things happened in the past, but we're okay now. There's no more racism. We can have these deep conversations that, you know, you try to show somebody a reflection of themselves. They don't want to look at it. But if you show them a painting, that is a piece of art, suddenly they're more comfortable with seeing these things and having these conversations. And I think Watchmen accomplishes that in a fascinating way. It deals with so many deep-rooted issues and it goes so dark sometimes. And I was just gripped by, I, you know, when it first was coming out, I was kind of like, oh, this is going to be a thing. But then I found out it was a sequel and I was like, you've intrigued me. And then I watched it and I, <laughs> I, it just had me by the throat. Well, I don't know what to say to that because I haven't watched the show. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I have HBO max. So I'll, I'll add it to my, my list. So here we go. It was a really good show. Um, of course, you know, I, I I was a I was a fan of the comic. I read the I read the you know Watchmen way back when. It's 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 one of those staples of 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 comic book media that that everyone really needs to read if you like comics. Um, I, I was always fascinated. I never looked at it from the standpoint of of the message of science that that you were talking about, Liam. 
but mm-hmm. you know, you know, hearing your perspective, I, I can totally see it. And it's, it's a wonderful uh, uh, view of it. Uh, I, I completely, I, I see that, which I never thought about it before. Uh, but that being said, when I watched this, I went into this series actually thinking it was a sequel to the movie, which it's not. It's a sequel to the comic. Um, and when I did and I watched it and they brought in the, the whole uh, aspect of the little baby squid things as a uh, ploy to basically continue a way to keep up the threat, you know, of that way people didn't forget about it and fall back into their petty ways of fighting amongst themselves and everything i'm like oh, okay this this was really good and and it does have some really good characters uh and 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 such as well but uh uh but yeah it, it is definitely worth a watch it was it was really really good All right on the list it was yes. All right, uh, scott uh your number four my number four uh so on my number four i i had to go with uh quantum leap oh yes oh, my number four yeah, I actually, I really struggled with putting this on there, but I was like, maybe Scott will have it on his list and I won't feel I, so bad. Yeah, I can't, <laughs> you know, I can't go without, I can't go that quantum leap. 1989 to 1983, uh, five seasons. I seem to have a sh- thing with shows that go five, five seasons. seasons. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it, so it was about, uh, you've got, and it launched the career of Scott Bakula. Yep. Uh, I won't say it launched the career of Dean Stockwell because his career was firmly in place by this, but it really did kind of bring him back. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, and stuff, which is fine. Uh, but they play well off of each other. So you have uh, Scott Bakula uh, as Dr. Samuel Beckett. Um, and, and to somewhat quote the opening from like season two on, you know, uh, theorizing that one could travel in his own uh, lifetime. Dr. Samuel Beckett steps into the quantum leap accelerator and vanished, which is the premise of the whole series. Like, right. That, that opening is just great. You know, whenever you, you, so it's a, it's a physicist who created a time travel experiment that according to Dean Stockwell's character, I quote, went a little caca. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So basically Dr. Uh, Dr. Beckett uh, is leaping from life to life. Uh, and and every time he leaps into an episode, he has some there, there. There's an unknown force driving him to put something right. What once went wrong. And 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 Al is there as a hologram. Like the whole concept is just great. Like the yep. setup, the premise is just beautiful. First of all, it's a it's a it's a setting of time travel where that that to my knowledge, no one else has had done before or done since. Whereas the time traveler leaps into a person and right. displaces that person in time, which is a great um, idea, which is a great idea uh, and everything. Now I do think toward the end of the series, season four, season five, they, they did jump the shark a little bit because uh, toward the end of the series, they started leaping into some more historical events. There's like one where he jumps into, I think Lee Harvey Oswald, you know, and they do the whole JFK thing. Okay. Uh, but the real, huh? I liked when he uh, leaped into Dr. Ruth Westheimer. I thought that was a fun oh, episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They started doing that more. They started doing more actual historical people and real people and stuff instead of just, just stories in history. Well, the, uh, the, the ratings were suffering. So I think they were trying yeah. to do something to keep the show on. Cause I remember I actually did a paper uh, for one of my uh, classes in, uh, uh, mass communications I had a paper on the show so i was yeah. kind of like looking at the ratings looking at the advertising and things like that and so yeah around that time they were um this is not gonna last much longer let's see if we can get him home 
Let's yeah. Something. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they did, they did some, I mean, they did fun stuff. It was great. It was a very good story. It was a very good series. Uh, I go back and revisit it, you know, um, quite a bit, uh, over time. I've got the whole series on Blu-ray. Yeah. I just um, recently picked up the series too. Yeah. Um, they just recently announced here like a month ago yep. that, um, um, uh, <laughs> forget his name. What's his name? What's the main character's name? Uh, the Sam. And the, the actors Scott, oh, Bakula. Scott Bakula, yeah, yeah. Scott Bakula has signed on to do a pilot for a reboot to to, to Quantum Leap. Wow, maybe he'll no be uh, he'll be Al. <laughs> no, I don't think he'll be Al. He'll he'll be Sam Beckett. It'll be a continuation of the series, but mm-hmm. it's just a pilot at this point. Nothing's been gotcha. picked up. Nothing's been written. Nothing's been other than he has signed on. That that's the only thing that's been been. Oh, announced. I hope that does well. Yeah, yeah me too. Me I would too. Love to see that. I totally forgot about Quantum Leap. Oh my god! <laughs> like I said, it was on my list, but I was like, I think I'm gonna let. I, th- I think Scott has it on his list, so I'm glad you did yeah. because I would have felt really bad if I did this list and it wasn't on there. Oh yeah, so. let the master hand it. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Scott. Uh, number three. Back to me. Okay. Um, this show, uh, another one on Fox that got canceled way too soon. Um, it actually was created by J.H. Uh, Wyman, who did Fringe. And it was produced by J.J. Abrams. And it starred Carl Urban, who oh. uh, only recently got a break and actually got a series that didn't get canceled. Um, yeah. I'm talking about Girl. the show Almost Human. Yes. Um, uh, it's uh, the short-lived futuristic cyberpunk cop series. Um, where Urban plays a cop named John Kennex. He wakes up after a coma, uh, his partner's dead, his girlfriend is gone, and he's missing a leg. Um, in the year 2048, crime has risen over 400%, um, and they employ these uh, robot cops to help fight crime. And it's very cyberpunkish as far as the crime's concerned. Um, there's a lot more uh, internet you know, crimes and you know, all kinds of just anything they can be that uh, they can do electronically and computer wise it's being done. And he gets a new partner um, played wonderfully by Michael Ely, who is basically a robot, but um, actually has emotions. And that's why they got rid of uh, that line before was because they, they started acting out. They started, you know, acting on their emotions. Um, I love the show. And the fact that it was only on for two seasons really, really upsets me. And it is so good. It was so smart. And it was Fox being stupid again because they said they got they canceled it because it was too expensive. I'm like, guess what? You should have known that when you greenlit it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's like there's there's visual effects. There's it's 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 gonna cost money. Um, you know, it's okay to have intelligent shows on your network. You can't, you know, it can't all be, you know, talent shows all the time. And you know, I mean, I'm not knocking The Simpsons because I watched The Simpsons for years. I love, you know, and, and Bob's burgers or whatever. But the fact is you can have interesting character driven shows uh with interesting story arcs um because it was so good and carl urban is awesome and you have you know lily taylor's in this and it's just uh such a good show and so much fun and they canceled it so fox screw you <laughs> again <laughs> yeah that's kind of like the staple of fox in that era is here's a good show we're not going to show it anymore yeah, well, they did the same thing with Terra Nova, another yeah, nice, cool yeah. show that was expensive. Oh, it's too expensive. We're going to cancel it. Exactly. Don't green light it. Terra Nova. I watched <laughs> the first couple of episodes on that, and I was totally hooked on it. My mom and I loved it, 
And then it just like vanished from it like it wasn't on the TV guide anymore. And yeah. then like it vanished from memory. Yep. Thank you, Fox. <laughs> Thank you, Fox. Ugh, yeah. The worst. Well, yeah. And also with Almost Human, uh, you know, Fox, once again, true to form, they aired a lot of episodes out of, out of order. Yeah. Yep. So you're watching it and something happens and you're like, wait a minute, last week didn't 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 they do something that um but yeah, like at the beginning of that series, though, you know, when he comes out of the coma, he's assigned like one of the regular right. robot, robot cops is a, yes. a thing. And he literally like, if I remember correctly, he like opens the door and like kicks him out of the yes, car like, on the highway. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> it's run over. And they, they let him choose his next partner, but it has to be a synth or something. And yes. so he goes, he, he like does an end run around them in a loophole. And he picks one of the, the the previous line with the emotions. Right. They have been discontinued. It's how he got him. He picked him. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I love that show. I know. Right. Uh, I have got to check that show out because I love Carl Urban. Um, right. I loved like I love him in um, uh, the Abrams Star Trek. I, I loved his little role in Thor Ragnarok. I think he's an amazing actor. And I would yeah. love to see something where he's the lead and really. Yeah. Let him sink his teeth into it. Well, I know he's on The Boys, which I haven't started watching yet. Oh, God, I need to watch it. He's wonderful on The Boys. All right, my number three. Again, one of my sort of unconventionals. Um, I'm going to pick the HBO adaptation of Philip Pullman's novels, uh, the show His Dark Materials. Okay, wow. This show, I, um, most people would label as a fantasy, but similar to uh, the reason why I feel the Watchmen show was such a good adaptation, if you will, of the comic. This, I haven't watched season two yet, but just from season one alone, I feel this is the adaptation that is worthy of these novels because um, this, um, it, the story takes place in this, uh, it's another alternate dimension. You know, I love my alternate dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so in this alternate reality we're in um sort of like a like a victorian era um uh world but with we're specifically in england but uh it is with uh sort of like steampunk futuristic technologies so we still have like oil lamps and we're still in like an exploration type of age but the uh zeppelin airships have like few like steampunky science fiction engines on them and we have all these kinds of like steampunky technologies that we don't have in our world um so in this alternate version steampunk england um we follow a girl named lyra balakwa who is an orphan being um taken in by jordan college um as a sort of ward um, under the command of one of the top scholars, her uncle, Lord Asriel. It tells kind of the history of science through this science fiction story. It's um, the beginnings of real, like true science, you know, willing to challenge religion and say, is that how it works really? What about this? You know, pulling back the curtains questioning everything pushing the boundaries looking further than religion looking further than preconceived notions and just discovery and being unafraid 
no matter where that road takes you, be it to alternate dimensions, be it to our world, you know, no matter how far um, and how scary it may be and how dangerous, Lyra is always willing to take that one step further and confront her destiny and really ask the hard questions. She will not be stopped. And it's this it's this wonderful story just centering around this little girl who just has a will stronger than anything else and who is given this secret and sees it out to the end. And this series was an amazing adaptation of the books. It really um, blended well the first two books together. I just, I really, I loved the, my mom loves these books. She got me hooked on them. I love them. And they made a movie, The Golden Compass. Right. In okay. Like 2000s with Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig. And it's okay, but it cuts some stuff out. And where the movie ends is not, is like two chapters ahead of where the book ends. Okay. So and this is on, this is on HBO Max, right? Yeah. On HBO Max. All right. That's what I thought. Add that to my list too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Adding, adding, adding to the list. Uh, I remember when the Golden <laughs> Compass came out. I never saw it. I did. Uh, it, was, it was all right. I, I, I didn't. And when you were describing it, I'm like, this seems awfully familiar. So I was doing some looking, and I found the Golden Compass, and I found this, and yeah, based off the same. Which I've never read the books either, but yeah. Oh, you showed they're fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so, so, and and the series has uh, Lin Manuel Miranda in it, and I love Lin Manuel Miranda. So nice. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Scott, it's your turn to follow that up. So good luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my number three uh, is uh, uh, Stargate SG one. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. W- once again, okay. once again, not as, not as passionate, uh, you know, so based off of uh, the movie uh, and I forget when the movie came out. Um, so once again, while this show did not go for five seasons, like some of my other shows, it did go for <laughs> 10 seasons. So I'm now hitting multiples of five. So Stargate SG one, it, it's, it's a continuation of the, the, the movie by the same name, Stargate. Um, and it, 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 it follows, uh, you know, you've got Colonel O'Neill who comes back from retirement uh, and, and they find out the Stargate, from the movie can go other places and there's a whole network of stargate stargates uh and uh, it, it it's under the purview of the united states air force and they form uh sg teams which you know colonel o'neill leading sg1 uh to explore these gates and these other worlds uh and, and everything and 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 it, it turns out there's a there's a a huge big bad race alien race out there called the gold um which uh, are, are now threatening Earth, and it's kind of where we're in a struggle. Where, where, where most other sci-fi shows, uh, and, and there's 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 one specifically that does this and kind of set the bar for it. Where, you know, the 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 Earthlings that are traveling around uh, are prohibited from interfering. You know, in the <laughs> development of other societies. Literally, uh, the show is like, "Hi, we want to be friends. Give us your technology. We'll give you whatever we can in return." <laughs> Please help us, you know. Right. Uh, and, and they're trying to they're find out. directed right out the window. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and I mean, the, the, the characterization. So Richard Dean Anderson steps into the, 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 the main role of, of Colonel Jack O'Neill, which in the movie was played by Kurt Russell. 
but yeah, it was it was just really good. Uh, it went for ten seasons. Uh, spun had two spinoff shows, which uh, of course uh, Stargate Atlantis very much worth watching. Uh, Stargate Universe about a third of it is worth watching. Uh, <laughs> but two thirds that show is kind of like, eh. um, but uh, but they especially once you get past like first season is very much Planet of the Week, you know. Um, I hear you. And 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 once you get past that and you get more into the meat and potatoes of the story of the fight with the Go Old, that's when that's when the series really takes off uh, and it does its thing. Uh, and and it, it actually, it, it doesn't take itself too seriously. And I give you a couple of examples. So first of all, uh, there's an episode in, uh, it's early on in the series where Carter and O'Neill, played by Richard Dean Anderson, are stuck on what they think, well, they're stuck on an ice planet, right? You know, and they can't get the Stargate. They, they, they get shunted there accidentally. They're stranded. They can't get the Stargate fired up, you know, and areas like that. And uh, there's an outtake in, in, in all of the, the special features. It doesn't matter which version you watch. It's in these. This outtake is in the special features uh, where uh, the, the actor playing uh, command, uh, Major Carter, uh, Amanda Tapping, and the director chatted, you know, offhand. They decided to play a little bit of a prank on Richard Dean Anderson. And uh, so they're they're sitting there. They're, they're shooting their scene. And, and Amanda Tapping is like, so Amanda Tapping is like, I can't believe this. I'm stranded here, you know, on this 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 random planet with MacGyver. I mean, come on, can't you can't you do something? Pull out some chewing gum, something. <laughs> Richard, Richard Anderson stops the scene and he just looks over at the director, like, what the fuck is going on? Because she's totally <laughs> she's referencing MacGyver. You know? So you that's know, awesome. You, yeah, you have that. It was it was great. Uh, and then. The show filmed in Vancouver because it was one of those Canadian productions. There's a lot of right. stuff that's not up there. But mm. at one point, uh, when they're doing Planet of the Week, I think it's in the first season, where like um, uh, uh, Michael Shanks is Dr. Jackson, uh, they come out in this planet once again, forest and everything. And he's looking around, he's like, Is it me? Or does every planet we go to look like Canada? <laughs> <laughs> Like they actually say it. They actually, they actually say oh it on camera. Oh, that's amazing. It was really great. But, uh, but yeah, uh, it's one I always go to. You know, I, I love SG1. Only a couple left. So, uh, number two, this, I've actually spoken of this show twice on my podcast. Uh, once on the uh, top seven TV families episode and once on the top seven uh, Netflix series. Um, I'm talking about the uh, Netflix reboot of Lost in Space. Oh. Ah, so glad right. you put this on your list. I love this show. I mean, I, I I'll keep it quick because I like I said, I've talked about it before. I just love the dynamics in the family. Um, I love the writing. It's 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 another example of how you can take uh, older material and redo it and make it so much better uh, than it ever thought it could have been i mean I, when i remember it came out i was like oh well maybe i'll check it out and man after that first episode i was hooked i love the characters i love the the robots the different worlds they go to and considering it was done on a relatively small budget because netflix just wasn't giving it a lot of money the visual effects are really good um and i love that and it's very character driven the robinsons are are a messed up family but they they truly do love each other and and i love they all have all the characters have great story arcs and it's so much fun to watch. It's so entertaining. And 
the capper on it is, uh, you know, the third season at the very end of the series, uh, will, draws attention by playing rush uh tom sawyer through the radio so super loud that just that cinched it for me this is one of the greatest netflix shows i've ever seen so i, I absolutely love i was gonna say they wrote it for you date <laughs> it feels like it letter to you such a great show so much fun and it's only three seasons so you can get through it um it's fun it's 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 funny it's exciting it's emotional very good show so if you haven't already, please check out Lost in Space on Netflix. God, yes. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was wonderful. I, I haven't watched the last two episodes because I don't want it to end. <laughs> well, it's, I, it did. So <laughs> I know. I know. It's a it's a fallacical argument. Um, um, it's a yeah, satisfying I, ending. I can tell you it's a satisfying ending. Okay. Yeah, so that's I good. I just haven't got back to it yet. But no, I, I love. Yeah, this was like I struggled trying to put this on my list because i wanted to include it because it is a wonderful sci-fi series yes it, it is it, it's it's relatively new like you said and it's it's a it's it's a re not not a rehash but it's it's you know you've got the original which the original was fun um it was fun but, it was it was cheesy but it was fun it was cheesy but it was fun and this just takes it this dials it to 11 yes, it that's is. another show my mom and i my mom and i we our lives are so crazy. We always we're always starting shows and then just not having to find a time. <laughs> but I remember we tried Lost in Space and we were really enjoying it. And I I've been meaning to go back to it for a while because you know it's on Netflix every so often. You know, Lost in Space banner will pop up and I'm like, ah, I gotta <laughs> oh, love it so much, so much. I've, I've yeah, got you need to finish it. it. You need to finish it. Both Especially you need to finish after it. hearing you talk about it, like. All of the times of listening to this podcast and hearing you talk about it, like, has really been getting my, <laughs> yeah, my motor running on it. Like, I got to finish this now. <laughs> All right, Liam, what's your number two? Okay, my number two literally made this decision as you got me to say in this number. My number two, the classic Joss Sweden show. <laughs> Gotta nice. give it up, Firefly. I'm a big Western fan anyway. Like, you know, it's I'm I'm your stereotypical concept of a boy child. I love <laughs> and I love cowboys and putting those two things together. You can't go wrong. Right. Uh, um, it really is a fascinating space Western in the sense of like we're in it's science fiction. So we're in the future where there's a lot of Chinese and Mandarin culture is kind of blended in as we've gone into the future as a species. But it also mirrors Westerns where the Old West was a blend of um, Anglican immigrants and uh, Chinese immigrants. But I loved that commentary of like just when Joss Whedon set out to make a space Western and he really made a space Western and made it in an ingenious way. The reason why it's a Western is because so you have your rebel brown coats who are the good guys. And they're fighting this war and they lose. So yep. now, uh, like, I think it's five years after that uh, or however long That's... is the start of the show. And you have a world ruled by the Alliance. So the central planets are what you would think of as science fiction. It's these towering cities and landscapes and everybody's got flying cars and medicine's great and society's great. That's for the rich people. 
but you get to the rest of this new solar system that we found after we used up the earth and it's the wild west it's a frontier we don't have a lot of the science fiction technologies that the central planets get to enjoy so the older technology is still around you still have horse and buggy and plowed fields and so that's how he makes it a space western so it, unfortunately course, Joss Whedon wasn't able to complete any of these right. lines as well as <laughs> would like, thanks to Fox, because they're the worst. <laughs> but, well, I mean, and, and you get things, things encapsulate so much for the characters. So the character of Mal is, 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 uh, but, but he has a, he has a line that encapsulate, encapsulates his character, which is, you know, where somebody was talking about, you know, him being a brown coat. Uh, and he's like, you know, you were on the wrong side of the war or something. And he, he says, well, I was on the losing side. Right, still ain't convinced it was the wrong one. Right, you know that's yeah. his character and, and everything. So you get the you got great dialogue in 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 that that series from Joss Whedon. Yes, you know uh, one of my favorite ones is when they're uh, uh, they go to uh, try to help out um, an artist friend. You know the companion who broke away from the yeah company. right right. You know she's got the quote unquote whorehouse on the you know fringe. You know and everybody's doing their own thing and Kaylee's like, wash. Tell me I'm pretty. (laughs) Kaylee, were I wet, I would take, yeah, I would take you in a manly fashion. (laughs) Because I'm pretty? Because you're pretty. pretty. (laughs) Uh, Kaylee was actually my favorite. I love Kaylee. My favorite, some of my favorite lines in this show are anytime somebody says something bad about the ship in earshot of Kaylee and she (laughs) just goes off on them. Like they are in the process of getting arrested by the Alliance and they call it like this piece of, yeah, and she just like, the hell did you just say? Let me break down why. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then tell me what's wrong with mine. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oh, so sad that it only lasted a season. Uh, (sighs) So sad. All right. Uh, But yeah, Firefly, my number two. All right, Scott, your number two. So my number two. Now, keep in mind, I rank these in my personal favorites. Well, yes, of course. Yeah, exactly. And everything. And this is going to this is probably going to surprise you a little bit. But my number two, I put at Star Trek. The original series. Well, so I had an internal <laughs> debate with this. I just listed Star Trek as Star Trek. All right. Because which uh, Star Trek episode is better than others or which one? Like, there's a whole ranking of Star Trek series. That can be its own topic. So you cheated. I get it. <laughs> I cheated. I reprogrammed the simulation so it was possible to rescue the ship. What? He cheated. I will admit, <laughs> I cheated on this one. I'm I'm going to firmly admit I cheated. I just listed Star Trek as a whole. Uh, now, if you ask me what my favorite Trek series is, uh, I have to go with Deep Space Nine. Okay, All right. really, Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine is my favorite Trek series. That's interesting because that's the one I haven't watched. Yeah, uh, and it's one you should watch. <laughs> um, now, um, and I'll tell you why, but I can't tell you why now <laughs> all right okay. Um, okay that's fine but but yeah so star trek now so on, on my other podcasts on, on on house rules and on nerd alert and some of the other ones that i do my kind of my on-screen handle and my nom de guerre if you will is commander scott because uh, I, am, I am a huge trekkie 
Okay. Huge Trekkie. Um, <laughs> I love Star Trek. I have more useless knowledge in my head about Star Trek than any one person has any right to have. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I will look, 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 for, for, you know, Mr. Liam here, who has never really met me before. And for your listeners who don't know me. So first of all, we're going to, we're going to say some things here, uh, like just off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, uh, warp six, you're familiar with warp drive, right? From Star Trek. Yes, absolutely. So warp, warp six is 392 times the speed of light. <laughs> okay. Wow. Now, now. That being prefaced, that is the 24th century or next generation era of the warp curve, which is different from the original series, 23rd century warp drive. Okay. You're making my head hurt. (laughs) Okay. Hang on. (laughs) Bear with me here for just a second. So in the 23rd century in the original series. So now, now I'm going to preface this, that we are talking in universe reasons here and not, you know, real world writing reasons, you know, right. Right. But in universe. So in the 23rd century, the original Constitution class vessel uses a form of warp drive or a form of faster than light travel, which is called continuum distortion propulsion, which means the ship actually warps space by increasing, by expanding space behind the vessel and contracting space in front of a vessel, kind of like a surfboard riding on a wave. Okay. Okay. However, in the next generation, the warp curve is redrawn. Where warp 10, because in the original series, you've got a couple of instances where they talk about warp 14. Okay. Mm-hmm. However, in next gen, warp 10 is the physical limit of the universe because it's different technology. Because ah. it's been a hundred years. So in the next generation and beyond, the warp drive that is used is actually referred to as asymmetrical peristaltic field manipulation. <laughs> oh my God. Okay? Uh, so now. Now, in order to break this down for you, first of all, we have asymmetrical, okay? Uh, and the reason it's asymmetrical is because the warp field that is generated by the nacelles has to operate with a frequency op- offset forward of the Bussard ram scoops in order to encapsulate the primary hull of the, the, the space frame geometry of the spacecraft, okay? The next one is peristaltic. So uh, you, as a human being, right? You can eat and drink upside down and in zero G. Okay. Okay. You, you can you can turn yourself completely upside down, take a drink of water, and you're fine. You can eat food and you're fine. Why is that? I have no idea. No idea. <laughs> so 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 your your digestive system is is not based off of gravity. It's when right. you eat or drink something into your esophagus the muscles in your esophagus actually contract to squeeze whatever it is down to your stomach. This action oh. of squeezing it is called peristalsis. Okay. Uh, okay. So basically think of asymmetrical peristaltic field manipulation, the field manipulation being the warp field, but peristaltic. Think of it like an invisible hand grabbing a wet bar of soap. What happens? The soap goes and just squirts right. out. Yeah. So now think of the warp drive, uh, the warp field as an infinite series of hands that just keep squeezing that soap right on down the line. <laughs> That's the warp drive from, from uh, 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 the, the next generation, 24th century era of Star Trek. So when I tell you I'm a huge Star Trek fan, I mean I'm a huge Star Trek fan. <laughs> I want you to understand the full definition of my meaning. <laughs> and Star Trek is my number two. 
All right. Wow. wow. I'm, I'm dying to know what your number one is. I'm, oh. I just can't even imagine. Yeah. I love Trek. I love all aspects of Trek. It's really good science fiction. Um, you know, and we're getting more Trek than we've ever gotten before. And if you've not watched anything else from the new Star Trek stuff, watch Strange New Worlds. Well, we, we just got rid of Paramount Plus, so I'm not going to no, be able to watch no, it. That is a mistake. I know it is. Uh, oh, well. Horribly so. Uh, so in, in the most, in Strange New Worlds, which just premiered like two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. Right. In, in the pilot episode, um, Pike is basically um, making first contact with this pre-warp civilization. They're in the midst of a civil war, and he's trying to convince them that the path they're on leads to almost total destruction by showing them, you know, Earth's uh, history of the second American Civil War going into World War Three. So so he's so so Strange New Worlds is set 10 years before the original series It's set 10 years before Kirk. Right. Uh, Captain Captain Christopher Pike is the second uh, captain of the USS Enterprise. And, yes, I'm so uh, glad we're getting more of Pike because I love yes. him. Oh God, he's great. Anson Mount does a wonderful job. Yes, but, um, uh, but when he's throwing images up on the screen for these people to look at, they utilize images from January 6th from the oh really in the Capitol. No way. Yes, uh, and and this has sparked a lot of controversy online. Like everyone's like. Trek should never be this political and how dare they bring this much politics and this much real world into Trek. And I'm like, have you people not watched Star Trek? Do you not remember the original <laughs> series when we showed the first biracial kiss on television? Yes. Like, the whole point of this was exactly they wanted to make well, waves. Yeah. And and so literally the second episode of the original series is about women's, you know, women's pro-choice. Right. Exactly. It's about women's, you know, just the ability to decide to keep, you know, a woman wants to keep her baby while the, the state wants to abort it. You know, you've got the the episode where, you know, you've got these two beings that are at war with each other because one is literally they are half black, half white, but they're right, right. because they're black and white on the wrong sides. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, literally Trek has been used as political commentary since 1966. Anyway, so Trek is my number two just in its whole. If you want to pin me down, Deep Space Nine. It's my favorite, but I'm, right. I'm holding out that Strange New Worlds may supplant that because it's starting Ooh. out really good. It's starting out really, really good. Uh, let's quickly do our honorable mentions. Um, uh, my my honorable mention was uh, from the creator, uh, Eric Kripke, who also gave us Supernatural, who now is the showrunner for The Boys, uh, produced by J.J. Abrams and John Favreau, who also directed the pilot episode for this show. Um, I'm talking about the very short-lived show. I have a lot of short-lived shows on my list. Uh, Revolution um, uh, takes place uh, the near post-apocalyptic future after a permanent power blackout. Now, I'm going to read to you uh, the opening to the show. Here it is. We lived in the electric world. We relied on it for everything. And then the power went out. Everything stopped working. We weren't prepared. Fear and confusion led to panic. The lucky ones made it out of the city. The government collapsed. Militias took over, controlling the food supply and stocking up on weapons. We still don't know why the power went out, but we're hoping someone will come and light the way. Now, it's a very cool show. Um, and you have, you know, people have learned to farm and they've learned to, uh, it's like a lot of sword fighting in because they, they can't manufacture guns anymore. And they're ones that have them are muskets and, you know, old style uh, 
you know, whatever you have warlords and militias that are carving up the country because there's no government anymore. And it turned out that you get a little bit of information that um, nanotechnology that can absorb power is what caused the blackout. And it's really cool. The characters were fun and interesting. And one of the things I really enjoyed about it was it was original and they weren't afraid to kill off central characters. I love that. And I know that sounds kind of counterproductive because it means the show goes away sooner. But the fact is, it's like every week, um, this might happen to this person, but it doesn't. You know, they went through that and lost. It was like they went through that on so many shows. Well, this might happen, but it doesn't. I'm like, you know what? Freaking kill somebody that's on there every week. You know, I mean, make it yep. interesting. Make his second guess. And uh, and I have a lot of J.J. Abrams produced shows because I think he's really good as a producer um, as a director as well. But it's an interesting show. It was clever and it made it through its first season, got renewed for a second season and then the ratings fell off and it got canceled and it figures it's a cool show. Uh, it was from NBC and unfortunately it just didn't take and it figures because another one of the shows I really liked that got canceled. So that's why I'm, so, I'm afraid sometimes to start new shows because I feel like too, too many of my shows get canceled. So anyway, revolution, it's a lot of fun. Hey, Liam, your honorable mention. All right. My honorable mention, I wanted to put it on my list so badly, but it's been so long since I've watched it. I don't remember enough to talk about it as much as I would like to, but it is a Japanese anime called Ghost in the Shell. Oh, I know that one. Yes. Um, I'm sure some people might have heard of it because of the movie that they made, which I did not see because I just couldn't be bothered. But the show that I watched was um, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. And it um, it is set in um, the mid um, 21st century um, in a fictional Japanese city. And it follows um, it's a cyberpunk spy thriller. And it follows um, the police trying to hunt down these hackers because there is um, there's a lot of cybernetic enhancement to humans in this future. Um, hackers are not just hacking our technology, but the best ones can hack our people and bend them to their will. So um, we have to put together uh, this um, specific uh, police force to hunt down these hackers and battle this sort of cyberpunk noir crime um really stood out to me because it was like these cyberpunk things but it was so different because it was japanese it was something i had never seen before and it really captured my attention and was really gritty and thrilling and you were always on the edge of your seat and so ghost in the shell standalone complex if you can get a hold of it check it out it's amazing yeah i saw the um the anime film from the 90s i did check that one out yeah. I haven't Ooh. seen the series yet. So yeah, it's pretty good. That that I'd check that out if you like the series. Yeah. Yes. I will do. All right. Uh Scott, your honorable mention. Uh so uh, uh you know how you, you accuse me of cheating with Star Trek. I, I'm I'm gonna <laughs> cheat. I'm gonna cheat here again too, if that's okay, just a little bit. Uh because I couldn't settle on one. I, I had to have two and I'll I'll be really, really quick on both of these. <laughs> okay. Just, just really because they both need one. Uh so the first one is called Voyagers. Oh, I remember Voyagers. Okay. Voyagers, yeah. Uh, so Voyagers was kind of like, you, you could think of it as a precursor to Quantum Leap. 
Right. Um, so you had this guy named Bog who was a time traveler. Okay. Uh, and he was recruited by an organization called the Voyagers. And what they do is they, they, they take people from throughout history. They bring them to the future. They put them through the Academy uh, and, and they train them to basically police time kind of like in a, in a, in a, in an area close to their own time, you know? Right. Uh, and, and he, he had, so his, the, the thing that allowed him to time travel was called an Omni. Uh, and when he would pop into an area, it would either blink red if something was wrong or it would blink green once history was back on track. OK, well, the, the character of Bog was a bit of an idiot. He was kind of a he was kind of a moron. <laughs> and, and so he didn't study so he, in the pilot episode. His Omni malfunctions it because it because it's restricted to that specific time frame. It won't let them travel, you know, outside of their their normal police zone. But his malfunction and it took him to 1984 New York. Oh my god! <laughs> and and he picks up this kid uh, uh, that he has to use the Omni to save, uh, and it's basically him and the kid. And the kid's like a, a historical genius, like he knows history, you know. Okay. He, okay. He, he can't take the kid back home because his Omni only went there because it messed up, and he can't make it mess up again. So his <laughs> okay. Omni restricts him; it won't let him go back there. So it's just that those two kind of traveling through history, putting, making sure history stays on track. It was a 1980s show. It was low budget, but it, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a really fun show. Uh, uh, and I love it. So it deserves an honorable mention. The other one is called Seven Days. Yeah, I don't uh, know this one. No, no, one, no one has seen this one. It's from the, the early 90s, uh, I think. So basically, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a clandestine government project called Project Backstep, which uses technology recovered from the roswell spacecraft crash okay okay they've built a capsule that allows a traveler to go back in time but they can only go back seven days the reason i love this so much as a sci-fi show is everything time travel right always deals with displacement in time but the earth is in constant motion it's orbiting the sun the, the 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 galactic disc is spinning the universe is expanding so if i just took myself right now and i displaced myself in time straight but not space i would come out in deep space because the planet wouldn't be physically where i am right now oh uh, wow. it would be in a different set of coordinates than it is right this second so basically this ship once they launch it so from their perspective it launches into orbit and then it comes back down close to where they want him to. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what it's doing is it's actually flying in a parabolic course because he's trying to hit where earth was seven, seven days, days ago. So basically what happens is something happens, some kind of a natural disaster, some kind of a national emergency, something happens. They want to undo the president authorizes a back step. Okay. okay. So they, they brief him with everything he needs to know. As soon as they get it, they put him in the module and he goes back. When he comes out, he's bleeding from his nose, ears, and eyes. Oh, oh no. Because oh, no. of the stresses. Uh, the first thing he does is he finds a phone, okay? And he calls a number that they have set up at the place. Now, keep in mind, it's seven days before anything has happened. So the people <laughs> at the plant, they, they're, they're at, at, at the compound, they don't know what's going on. So he calls in. The first thing he does when they answer is he gives the code word conundrum. And as soon as that happens, they take the him from that time period and they, they, they shunt him into an isolation chamber. He is isolated from everything, the current one. 
Then gotcha. once everything is done, they get all the information they need. They give it to him and then they send him on the back step uh, and everything. I wish they would reboot it with a little better writing and, you know, uh, you know, a little bit more. Uh, our number ones. Here we go. Now, people that know me will know what my number one is. And when, even when I came up with this idea for this episode, I knew what my number one was going to be. So as a child of the 70s and 80s, um, especially science fiction, I watched uh, the original of this show on TV and I liked it. And when I heard they were rebooting it, um, I was cautiously optimistic, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and then I watched it. And of course, I'm talking about the uh, reboot of Battlestar Galactica for the sci-fi channel. Sooner or later, the day comes when you can't hide from the things that you've done anymore. Humanity's children are returning home. As of this moment, we are at war. The human race is about to be wiped out. Limited supplies, limited fuel, no allies, and now, no hope. The war is over. It hasn't begun yet. Battlestar Galactica, the miniseries, starts Monday at 9 on Sci-Fi. Oh my Uh, God, was this show so, so freaking good. I loved this show and the the miniseries came out around the same time my daughter was born so i kind of associate it with that um i remember picking up the dvds for the first season at the library and i was watching three or four episodes at a time i just couldn't stop i love the changes they made i love the the grittiness the real world feel uh on the, the galactica um i love the changes like making uh, with starbuck and with boomer and just the richness of the characters it's so interesting it was so much fun it, yeah it did lull when they got to new caprica for a little while um but it got it it saved itself i just love the characters i love the just love this show and man i battlestar galactica bsg i just love 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 this show and yes i do own the series on dvd i do own um the movies uh, and I watched and owned uh, blood and Chrome, which was supposed to be a reboot of a new series of young Adama during the original Cylon Cylon wars, but sci-fi decided, and eh, now we're just going to make Sharknado tw- 20 instead. So love the show. Yeah. It's so, 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 so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. BSG reboot. I'm so glad you, you put it on your list. Cause I, I was toying, I, I was torn that I couldn't get it on my list. <laughs> Because uh, yeah, the re- I, I like the original. The I original, did too, but I was I was yeah. seven. You know, I didn't know exactly. any better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but well, the, the reboot is is so beautiful. The miniseries was good. The fact that if you look at that show, it's science fiction, right? The, the only technology that they show in that in that show that humanity doesn't have today is the FTL drive, right? Like everything else is today technology. Now, right. The Cylons obviously are are a different matter, you know. Uh, and everything, but yeah, BSG is 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 wonderful. It's it's a great one. I've got it. I own the entire series on Blu-ray. I'm a big MythBusters guy. I love Adam Savage. And on YouTube, he's doing videos of like, "Hi, I'm Adam Savage, and I'm gonna build stuff." Um, and one of the episodes of that YouTube show is he invites Aaron Douglas over to his shop, and they build Battlestar models together <laughs> while just shooting the breeze and talking. And the conversations they have about Battlestar, like, 
just intrigued me. Like I have had already been meaning to watch it, but hearing them talk about it, I'm like, show sounds amazing and I have to watch it. And so I, I think they took it off of Netflix, of course, now that I actually want to. <laughs> <force> myself, <laughs> so I'm going to have to get a copy myself. Physical media is better than streaming. Anyway. All right. Oh, <laughs> Liam, what is your number one? My number one, again, I made the decision literally as we've been recording this. My number <laughs> one is uh, yet another anime. I'm big on my anime. Uh, the anime classic Cowboy Bebop. Hi, amigos. You ready for some bounty info? I'll take it. I'm just an old-fashioned cowboy. You're a bounty hunter. We'd like you to come along with us. He got away! Watch your back! I'm not a criminal. That makes me sound more like a criminal. It's complicated to be an outlaw nowadays. <laughs> Whoa. Nice. Okay. Uh, um, most of the things I get from my mother, this show is 100% my Uncle Sam. My <laughs> Uncle Sam watched this when it first came out. Uh, I think he was in college at the time. Um, so he's like watching it high with his college roommate <laughs> watch probably helped <laughs> yeah it helped a lot this was another one i got into in high school watching this show was so fascinating to me i i was oscillating between um bebop and firefly because they're so similar for me but in the end i had to make bebop my number one just because it's so different okay and it has its own unique flavor, not just it's being Japanese, but also um, there are elements of Western in it at points. Space Cowboy, obviously, but um, at its heart, Cowboy Bebop is a jazz noir piece. It is set in 2071. So we've destroyed Earth and we spread out to all the other planets in the solar system, Mars, um, the moon Ganymede, like we've, we're all over our own solar system, which I find fascinating because um, we're always going to other planets, other dimensions, but very rarely do we have a sci-fi that's our solar system because it's not just Earth around here. We can go to other planets. So um, the rest of our universe is populated, the rest of our solar system. And in 2071, we are following the crew of the ship Bebop. Spike Spiegel, Jet Black, and then later to join them, Faye Valentine, the child Ed, and the Corgi, Ein. <laughs> um, and they are bounty hunters. You can either be in the crime syndicates, you can be a cop, or you can be a cowboy, and you can go bounty hunting through space. This sci-fi show really delves into people. One of the things that I like in my sci-fi is less what happens to our technology and more what happens to us, the people. That's why I like Dune so much. Um, 
But Cowboy Bebop really delves into the ideas of loneliness, ennui, you know, not knowing your identity. What is your purpose? Can you ever escape things you've done in your past? And in the end, you know, while Firefly ends kind of happy and Bebop ends kind of somber, both have the same message of, you know, even though it all ends in tragedy, you got your people whose hands you can hold. And that makes it a little bit better. And so I just love Cowboy Bebop and its sci-fi noir aesthetic of, you know, just Cowboy Bebop. Check out the anime. All right. Very cool. Fair enough. All right, Scott. Now I'm, I'm dying to know what your number one since your number two was Star Trek. I, I don't even do Star Trek. So as much of a huge Star Trek fan that I am, and I love it uh, and everything. Uh, when it comes to the in my opinion, the number one science fiction television show that's been done. I love it. I watch it uh, pretty much once a year. Uh, you know, I go through it. I don't go through all of Star Trek once a year. I just, <laughs> but, you know, um, my, 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 my number one is Babylon 5. Babylon 5 is a time bomb. Private little wars break out every day. For freedom. For freedom. For freedom. That is my purpose on Babylon 5. We will attack. Hey, look. Got an energy spike. Move out, kill everyone. Watch now. You were foolish to leave Babylon 5. That sanctuary there. Bombing the Narn back to the Stone Age wasn't enough for you. Then we heard it. The sound of something terrible being born. This is madness. Now I want the truth, and I want it now. I won't let this happen. Not again. Station 3 to Commander Ivanova. Centauri have launched a full-scale assault. We live for the one. We die for the one. Your time is coming gone. It's our turn now. Two million tons of spinning metal, all alone in the night. A world where empires rise and fall. Where dreams are born and die. Where war and hatred are challenged by love and faith. In the third age of mankind, an age plagued by an evil empire that seeks to destroy humanity. It is our last, best hope for peace, for victory, for freedom. It is Babylon 5. We can take care of them in Bari. Arrogance and stupidity, all in the same package. How efficient are they? Stay in formation. No one gets through, no matter what. The human race ends with the current generation. But at least we will have a fighting chance of taking them out with us. They've seen this a little presumed to be hostile. Weapons high. Fire at will. I repeat, fire! TNT has made an unparalleled commitment to Babylon 5. Producing an original fifth season to complete the five-year story arc. Babylon 5. Strong and getting stronger, exclusively on TNT. Okay, wow. Okay, Babylon uh, Five. So from 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 the nineties, it ran for five seasons. Once five again, seasons again. <laughs> five seasons. Thing. There it is. Um, even though even though there's an issue with that, but so I'm, I'm gonna. So first of all, the the show opens with a monologue, and, and that monologue changes each each season. Okay, and, and I'm just gonna read you the opening for season one, right? So it, it, it's done by the primary character, Captain Sinclair. Uh, and it opens, it says, it was the dawn of the third age of mankind, 10 years after the Earth Minbari War. The Babylon Project was a dream given form. Its goal to prevent another war by creating a place where humans and aliens could work out their differences peacefully. It's a port of call, a home away from home for diplomats. Hustlers, entrepreneurs, 
and wanderers. Humans and aliens wrapped in 2,500,000 tons of spinning metal, all alone in the night. It can be a dangerous place, but it's our last, best hope for peace. This is the story of the last of the Babylon stations. The year is 2258. The name of the place is Babylon 5. So each season is its own year. So season one takes place in 2258. Season two is 2259. Three is 2260. <laughs> Literally, they just go year by year. It's an overarching story. So it was written by J. Michael Straczynski. Uh, and so he believed at the time that uh, the reason that there was no really, really good sci-fi on TV at the time was that they went in and they, they, they the, the executives wanted to do it episodic. Like, we could just write episodes. They don't have to, you know, we just, one episode just runs into the next one. Star Trek, basically. Right. Um, but he went in, he had a five season story arc going in. He knew where this story was going. He had a world develop. Wow. And nice. he started, he had, he started shopping this around. And at one point he went to Paramount, uh, who, who controlled Star Trek at the time. Uh, Next Generation was in its fourth season, I think at the time. And he pitched it to Paramount and they're like, yeah, no, we, cause, cause it takes place on a space station, you know, blah, 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 blah. We're, we're, we're going to pass. We're not going to take it. Well, eventually, of course it does get picked up, but about the time it gets picked up, Paramount comes out with deep space nine. <laughs> Go figure. And I right? mentioned deep space nine is my favorite track. And the reason is because now uh, seasons one and two are good, but it really gets awesome in deep space nine when they figure out that Babylon five is kicking their ass in the ratings. <laughs> oh. uh, and um and, and and they switch to an overarching story arc with the dominion war and everything that's when you get really good character development in deep space nine but going back to this um uh not only did he write a five season story arc but you have wonderful character development you have wonderful dialogue it's the most character driven sci-fi show i have ever seen um it deals with life it deals with death it deals with philosophy uh, the the core the the core tenets on everything you've got you've got you've got this this war with the great old ones between the Vorlons and the shadows and the philosophy of who are you versus what do you want uh, uh, and and just just beautiful storytelling uh, and everything and, and and but also going into it he realized that there's a there's a chance that I could lose actors because life happens right. So for every major character going into this series, he wrote a backdoor for the character. So he wrote, he pre-wrote a write-out for each character. Wow. That's so planning. That he, so, that he lost, so if he lost an actor, it would not detract from the series. The one thing he did not account for was executives. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they screwed him over. So seasons, okay, so season one, is, is is written about 50% of it is written by J. Michael Straczynski. The other 50% of the episodes are written by other other writers, right? Because you, know, you get filler episodes and stuff, which is right. not uncommon. Um, season two, about 60, 65% is written by J. Michael Straczynski. Then you've got other authors coming in to do episodes here and there, right? Right. Seasons three and four, 100% written by J. Michael Straczynski. We're talking 48 episodes written by one writer Jeez. for a core storyline. Wow. And it's gorgeous. So 
going into season four, you have two primary story arcs going on, two primary, you know, threads of story, right? When they were filming season four, the executives came to J. J. Michael Straczynski and said, look, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're looking at the numbers and everything. We like what you're doing, but we're probably not going to renew you for season five. <laughs> and he's like, really? What? And they're like, yeah, we're, we're not going to bring back season five. He's like, okay. He's like, okay, fine. He's like, I can, I can kind of plan for this. So he, he basically took one of the two storylines, which was supposed to be in season four and the next one in season five. He took that one condensed it and wrapped it up in a big two-part he just condensed it and then he went to the other one right okay and then just kind of blah 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 blah. so they get all the way through and this was back in the day you know in the 90s you basically you had one episode airing while you had one episode in pre-production one episode principal photography and one episode in post-production right so so things are airing while things are still in production it's not like they would produce an entire season and then air it like they do now. Right. Um, so he wrapped up that storyline and he went to do the other storyline. He was doing the other storyline. He's getting there, cut all the way to principal photography for like the last couple of episodes. And of course, like ratings skyrocketing because it's like the penultimate. And so the executives came back, you know what? You know, you're doing awesome. We're going to give you a fifth season. <laughs> you, you bastards. Oh, <laughs> you have wrapped up all my story. <laughs> i did all that exactly so when you get to season five uh it kind of it drops off a little bit because now he's got he's got storyline ideas but they weren't fully fleshed out you know right and, and stuff uh there's some really good episodes in season five but tonally it's like a huge letdown from season four season four was just over the top and if he had <laughs> to do it the way he done it it would have been there'd have been no nothing would have ever beat it um but ultimately in my opinion, it's the best sci-fi TV show that has ever been produced because of the forethought that went into it. The the actors are beautiful, you know. Uh, uh, the the dialogue is great. The characters are great. The story is just phenomenal. You have the greatest sci-fi character of all, which is named Zathras. <laughs> Zathras is great. I can't even begin to describe Zathras without context. He's, he's played by Tim Choate. He's in three episodes of the series. Three. That's it. And he's one of the greatest sci-fi characters of all time. You know, like literally, he's like, he's like, nobody ever listened to Zathras. Zathras only beast of burden for other people's ideas. Right, very sad life. Probably have very sad death. But to last, there is symmetry. <laughs> oh my god, this guy's great. great. But uh, but yeah, it is it is in my opinion, hands down, the best sci-fi TV show that has ever been produced. All right, yeah, I had a lot of friends that watched it. I never I never got on that train. And and one of the one of the most complex characters in that series is Mr. Garibaldi's hairline. <laughs> uh, yeah, nice, so, very so. cool. All right. Okay, guys. Well, thanks. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, we got we had a nice variety, nice diversity, and I really appreciate that. Um, Scott, where can people find house rules? So, uh, anyway, yes, uh, you can find house rules, uh, in several different places. You can find us on Twitter at house ruling. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at house rules podcast. You can also find us uh, by looking up the talk nerdy to me podcast network on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TN, the number two M podcast. Yes, I listen to the episodes on Spotify. 
that's where I get my podcasts. Oh yes, yeah. Well, I mean, we're all over the place. We're on we're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Amazon. We're on iTunes. We're on yeah, but yeah. Awesome. Very good. All right. Anyway. All right. So thank you, Scott, for stopping by. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you, Liam. It's been a pleasure. Been a pleasure for me too. Thanks for having me. I hope to come back for another episode. And definitely. Um, let me tell you some upcoming episodes here. Um, June is a very busy month. Uh, next week, uh, I have a couple of friends stopping by. We're talking about Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And then after that, I have a big uh, episode. We're talking about the original, the first three Muppet movies. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Jeff Johnson from the Film by Podcast will be stopping by. We're going to talk about the album, The Real Thing from Faith No More. And because there's a fifth Wednesday, we're getting a bonus episode. We're going to visit what I think is the best fantasy film of the eighties. We're talking about dragon slayer. So stop back by for all those wonderful episodes and thank the listeners. I appreciate you guys stopping by to listen to what a bunch of idiots have to say. And remember when it comes to watching your favorite shows, movies, and listening to music when possible, physical media is better than streaming. Talk to you next week. Thank you. This has been the Docking Bay 77 podcast. Opening music provided by Eric Jason Brock. Check him out on YouTube and Bandcamp. If you want to reach out to us on social media, we are on Twitter and Facebook at Docking Bay 77 podcast. Or you can send us an email, dockingbay77podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Once in a rare while, a motion picture is lauded by audiences and hailed by critics. They've called it original, poignant, thought-provoking, a masterpiece. You'll call it... Fabulous! Get ready for the comedy that's taking America by surprise. Can make a fine living in a pair of heels. The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, rated R. Now playing at theaters everywhere.